<laughs> so we're going to talk tonight a little bit about how mental health and physical health intertwine. If anybody's watching, you have questions, just drop them in the question box below. We're going to start now. Um, for those of you that do not know me, I'm Sammy. Welcome to uh, our IG Live. I'm talking to my friend, Dr. Stephen Levy. And you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself? Sure. Hello, everybody. I am the old man, Stephen Levy. <laughs> I have, uh, just quickly, I have a MSW, a Master's in Social Work, and a PhD in Social Welfare. And uh, what all my student loans tell me is I'm good with individuals, and I'm also good with groups, like organization. And, you know, Sammy and I were talking, and, you know, it seemed like this would be a good uh, match to talk about the physical health and the mental health. And if you look um, on what the definition of health is, uh, if you go like the World Health Organization, you know, in order for someone to be healthy, they have to be healthy physically, mentally, and socially. So if you don't have those three, by definition, you're not healthy. So you could be in the best physical shape of your life, but mentally you could be down, and that doesn't help. Or you know, mentally you could be really good, but you, you know, you're a couch potato. So yes. it's really about combining the two. So thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. I think that, and this is, I'm just going to put out my disclaimer because the lawyer in me says I have to. Um, this is strictly my opinion. You know, I'm by no means a doctor, medical professional at all, but I definitely feel like mental health and physical health are so completely intertwined and people definitely downplay the mental health aspect of it. And they think, oh, I'm just going to go to the gym, kick my ass, and I'll be great. And if you ignore the mental aspect of it, you're not going to be great because it's so incredibly important, so incredibly important. And having an active lifestyle, eating right, is definitely going to play a huge part in your mental health. Definitely. And, you know, as I'm sure you see, you can um, tell people all the time what to do. You know, you should try this, you should try that. But really the key is how do you do that? And if you're struggling, which so many of us are, we're either on a diet, been on a diet, or going on it. Or walking, I'm going to start walking. Maybe next week I'll do it. I'll join a gym. Maybe I won't join a gym. And, uh, you know, I was looking up some numbers before we came on here, and it's like Americans spent over $200 billion a year on physical activity and psychotherapy each. Health care is over $3 trillion a year. So if we could do something to lower that and to get people not only to start but to continue working towards their goals, you know, I think it'd be great. Yeah, I definitely, I couldn't agree more because I feel like anytime I feel like a pile of poo, I have to get up and do some type of activity and I feel so much better afterwards. And I think a lot of people struggle with that initial, let me get up and go do it. I feel like crap. I just want to stay in bed or I feel like crap. I just want to be on the couch or, you know, eat the emotional eating or whatever it is that the emotions take over and they don't want to take that next step, which is really what they need. Because nobody feels bad after um, a workout. And one of my all-time favorite lines, and I know you're going to laugh at me for this, but from one of my favorite movies, Legally Blonde, oh, yeah. is what did, what did she say in court? It was like, uh, exercise gives you endorphins, endorphins make you happy, and happy people don't kill their husbands, something like that, right? Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know? Best line ever delivered in court. <laughs> and 
about it. You know, a lot of people I meet with, they're, you know, so stressed and anxious. And we talk about how, you, how are you dealing with that? You know, some will say, well, I have a couple glasses of wine or I'll have some drinks or I'll smoke some marijuana. And all those things, you know, if you do them, moderation or whatever, are fine. But once you get really down to it, there's a lot of self-medication. You know, people are doing these things to feel better. Now, if you get off for that walk, if you, you know, go off for the bike ride or whatever, you're releasing all of those legally blonde lines, the dopamine, the serotonin, and all the feel-good chemicals. You're like yeah. really jump-starting your car. So it's incredibly hard to start. But once you start and figure out how to keep going, you know, it could be really something. Now, let me ask you, what is your opinion as to how to get somebody to start? So when they're feeling anxious or depressed and they don't want to move from the couch, how would you recommend to get up off the couch? Um, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in this, you know, well, I'll start tomorrow or, you know, I'm going to train for this. And it becomes just overwhelming, like, you know. I can't get off the couch, let alone I'm going to go, you know, train for a marathon or a half marathon. So I, I help them break it down to the simplest tasks they can do that they know they can do to succeed. Because if they succeed, it'll feel good. So maybe it's, you know, when you walk out of your car, walk out to your car, walk around the car five times. Or when you go to the mail, you know, go to the end of the block and come back. You know, anything you can do really just kind of to get started and, you know, then once you start, you feel good. And then, uh, you know, the big challenge is how do you keep that going? I absolutely love that. And I couldn't agree with you more because I'm all for, I love the simple habits, the small habits, because those always lead to doing the bigger things. Yeah, so definitely. I feel like, and I'm definitely a visual person. And that's like, to me, like, that's amazing. Because when I started running, I would always do it by like vision. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to run to that stop sign. And then you get to the stop sign, and you're like, okay, I, I can keep going. I'm going to run to that tree. I can keep going. And it's the same exact thing. So I love that that's such a great idea. If you're struggling to get off the couch, if you're struggling to get moving, when you go for your mail, go for, you know, walk back and forth a few times. I love I was, that. Yeah, I was working with somebody who um, they like to get up in the morning and go for a run or go for a walk. But they were in a rut. They just couldn't do that. So they were in that, you know, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So the more we talked about it, I, I told this person, I said, sleep in your clothes with your socks. Yes. And I, and I said, if that doesn't work, sleep in your clothes with your socks and your shoes on. So all you have to do is roll out your bed and out the door. And it worked for this person because, you know, they didn't have to. There's no thought process. You just were. Up and go. Up and yeah. go. So, so, let me, so let me ask you, when people come to you and you ask them, so what, you know, what are your fitness goals or, you know, what are you doing to maintain weight or something? And they start listing off the different things they've tried, the intermittent fasting, the Weight Watchers, the Atkins, you know, the whole list of them. What, what's your sort of take on all those? On what they've tried and not succeeded with? Moving forward. Moving forward. So my biggest thing with my clients is I like to be realistic. So when somebody comes to me like, oh, I have to lose 100 pounds, I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's break it down into something smaller. Because if you look at that huge goal, you're not going to get that quickly. And people get discouraged, burned out, whatever. If you look at a smaller goal, it's still good to have the big goal. Okay, you want to lose 100 pounds? Absolutely. But let's start with 10 pounds. 
weight. So what are we going to do to lose that 10 pounds? And then once they lose that 10 pounds, okay, now we're going for 20. Now we're going for 30. So it's like the baby steps definitely help with that. That's yeah. the biggest thing is I, I'm all about realistic goals. The big goals are great, but the realistic goals are what keeps everybody moving. Absolutely. And the best way to do that is with the daily tasks. Because everybody, I, I find I'm definitely good with the checklist, and I find a lot of my clients like the checklist. So you have the daily tasks, you're creating the daily habits, and then it just becomes second nature, so you're not even thinking about it. It's just like, okay, today I'm, I'm doing this, I'm drinking the water, I'm eating this, I'm, I'm getting my movement in, I'm getting my steps in. Whatever you have to do to get moving. Absolutely. And everyone's different, so it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah, and, it, and I, was, I was working with a different person, and it was the, you know, so how did your week go? And it was, well, there was this family party and this and that family party, right? So, you know, you know, once I started, it was all over. Yeah. And then, and then the beating up, you know, why did I do that? Why am I so weak? You know, I had to start over. And the analogy I used for the person, I said, if you're driving somewhere and you mess up, are you going to go take a U-turn and go all the way back to the beginning? Or are you just going to keep going? You know, so it's the same thing. You fall off, you know, okay, yeah. I'm trying to understand it, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you keep going. You don't go back to the beginning. Yes. That's definitely a thing I find very common with a lot of my clients is that they have that all or nothing. Like, oh, my God, well, I ate that cookie, so I'll just start over next week. It's like, okay, you ate a cookie. It's not the end of the world. Let's just get right back at it. Right. And that's it. It's all True. about moderation and balance. And the, the reason why I think this, uh, you know, the mental and the physical health match so well. And it, it's a it's something that's starting to come up more and more in the therapy field where, you know, you go for a walk with a counselor or, you know, you do something else and you're talking because you're getting those feel-good, you know, chemicals going. But also, a lot of times, I don't know if you see this, um, you know, a client will have a block. You know, they get to a certain point every time and then it just, they stop or they go back or they, you know, regress, whatever it might be. And I find that with the counseling, the therapy, whatever you want to call it, it's sort of trying to figure out what that block is. What's that wall you keep running into? So we can try and remove it and you can keep going. You can go further than where you've ever been once you figure out what that is. Yeah, I, I, that's actually 100% true because everyone's going to have that block at some point. It's just a matter of figuring out why you're having that block and what's triggering you to that. And everything like that. But I think the biggest thing with that is being open and honest about it. A lot of people may hold back or may like be like, oh, well, I don't want to disappoint my, a lot of people don't want to disappoint their trainer, their coach, or you don't want to tell somebody, your therapist or somebody. So it's like, you're going to hold back. And really you're only holding yourself back and you're only cheating yourself. I don't know. I don't know about your profession, but you know, in my profession, not to talk like a lawyer or anything, but I can get arrested if I break someone's confidentiality. So you can tell me anything you want. I can't tell. I don't know if it's the way in yours also. <laughs> yes, there is that whole confidentiality thing. But it's still, I mean, you know, with personal training, there's obviously no confidentiality. But um, it's still a lot of people are ashamed, embarrassed, whatever you may feel. And the thing is, you have to realize that whatever you're going through, at some point in time, somebody else has gone through the same thing. No you are not alone. I actually, I don't know if you saw, I posted today about a past relationship of mine and how he would purposely try to sabotage my fitness and diet goals because he just didn't comprehend it and he just wanted me to eat like him and everything like that. So 
not everyone's going to have the same goals as you and things like that may come up, but that's where you have to get back to your square one and focus on your goals and what you want out of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Any, anytime someone thinks that, you know, there's the only one dealing with it, tell them there's $264 billion worth of other people who are dealing with the same exact. That's, that's definitely a thing. I feel like a lot of people are like, Oh my God, I didn't know I, you know, there were other people. And that goes with that whole um, saying that growing up here, there's no stupid question. There is no stupid question. If you are somewhere and you're thinking that question, guaranteed there's somebody else in the room thinking the same exact question. No question. (laughs) Oh, that was witty. (laughs) You proud of that one? A little bit. Too funny. I think the other thing that I wanted to touch um, base on, and I'm sure you'll probably agree, is that the whole all or nothing, all, I can't talk, all or nothing mentality does not have to be how it is. Doing something is better than doing nothing as long as you're just getting moving and active. 100%. So I think that a lot of people get hung up on, oh, I have to go like all in, I have to do this, I have to do that. Like, no, just get up, get moving, do something. And you probably see that when you know, you're helping your clients set goals, right? They say, well, I'm going to do six days a week. Yes. And you're like, <laughs> let's take it back a notch. <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Cause unless you're planning to step on stage or do like some type of competition, you know, powerlifting, whatever, you, it's not necessary in just regular life and it's not necessary to hit your goals. And that's and how burnout happens. hundred percent. And that's also part of the problem. I think a lot of people sort of are setting with these goals are setting themselves up for almost failure. So, you know, by setting these really small achievable goals that they know they can do, they start feeling the success, right? And once they start feeling it, they start acting like it, you know? So, so if you set yourself up, I've been on the couch for six months, tomorrow I'm going to go run five miles. You've already, you know, it's already over, right? Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing because if you are setting yourself up for failure, you're never going to succeed. So that's why I'm all about realistic goals, setting small goals. Like if you haven't done anything for the last six months, don't get up and go try run to, to run at five miles. That's, that's absolutely insane. Get up and try to walk a mile. Start with that. Cause there's nothing wrong with just doing that. Like doing something is better than doing nothing. I say that all the freaking time because it's so true. Like just get up and go do something. And, and we, you know, everybody, I think, but, you know, certainly, you know, us Americans and certainly us, our New Yorkers, we have a very low tolerance for patience, right? <laughs> so, and I think, and I think that's why people try these fat diets, you know, I can yeah. lose 20 pounds in a month, you know, I have this coming up, I could, you know, do this, I can do that. I, I had someone that, you know, was going back to college and, you know, they had to be, you know, this size and this number weight. Because if they went back and they weren't that, they were fat, nobody was going to, you know, be friends with them. Yeah. Right? But long-term, right, the longevity of being healthy is the small baby steps, right? Right. 100%. And I hate that when people are like, oh, I need to be this size by this date. Like, because you didn't put the weight on overnight, you're not going to lose it overnight. So Um, that's why setting the realistic goals and just going with it is... So much better than the quick, quick fix fad diets. Absolutely. You are one hundred percent right with the lack of patience, and everybody just wants to be quick. How do you feel about self care? 
because I think that's a huge thing nowadays. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't possibly be available to take care of anybody else. You know, if you're, if you're the one that's taking care of, you know, the kids, the family, the this and that, and at the end of the day, there's nothing left for you. You don't have the energy, you don't have the time to eat right, to exercise or do anything. It doesn't make sense because if you go down, the rest of the ship goes down. 100%. So you have to, you know, I'm not going to be cheesy and say love yourself, but you know, <laughs> you have to, you know, you have to make sure that you're taken care of. And as you know, that doesn't take very long, right? A 10 minute walk, you know, uh, you know, five minute meditation, like anything just really kind of to, you know, breathe and get yourself back. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something that's lost is that people think that self-care is like, okay, I got to do a face mask, I got to do something, you know, like go get a mani. It Self-care comes in so many different forms. It could be, like you said, a simple 10-minute walk. It could be taking yourself out for a cup of coffee. It could be like a million different things. Whatever self-care looks like to you, just make sure you're doing that on the regular. And you're allowed. Give yourself yes. permission to take whatever time that is. Yes, absolutely. No guilt associated. And if someone's going to sit there and tell you that they don't have time for self-care, because I hear that a lot. Oh, I don't have time. And that's like one of my biggest pet peeves when people tell me that they don't have time. Right. You can make time in your day for five minutes. Do a five-minute meditation. Do a five-minute gratitude journal. Just do something to take care of yourself. Because otherwise, exactly like you said, you're going to crash and burn. You're not going to be able to help anybody. And that, and that five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, the payoff from that yeah. could be so tremendous that somebody who doesn't do it, they after they did it, they'd be like, well, what just happened to me, right? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right, on that note, we're going to call it a night because I know you got to get going. i got to go get my workout in before I go to work. So I enjoyed this, though. We should do it again. Absolutely, and I apologize to everybody for, you know, I'll take one of those senior courses at the library on Instagram or whatever. On Instagram? We'll be better next time. Instagram for dummies, right? I'm sure that's... <laughs>